privilege to introduce Matt Williams, our speaker for today. <clears throat> Matt is head pastor at the Table Fellowship, which is on Indy's South Side. Before that, he was a teacher at Covenant Christian High School for about seven years. When Dennis was seeking out people to speak on various topics on the Holy Spirit, Matt came to my mind immediately. I can't think of a better person to speak about the Holy Spirit or to speak about relationships, and especially how those things go together. Um, I've had the privilege of Matt walking alongside me for a really big part of my own healing journey. He has taught and discipled and mentored me over the years. Um, so let's give a big BBC welcome to Matt Williams. Oh, thank you. Well, good morning, good morning, good morning. My name is Matt. I will be your speaker today. I want to first begin with a confession. Um, I do my best to, to stay skinny in what I feel like Jesus is having me say. And then sometimes I get really excited. And so uh, we used to, I like this space here because we used to talk about the, this area is like the spit row. Because I get super jacked about what Jesus is doing and what he's whispering. And so all of that to say, uh, it can be difficult when um, you feel like there's a specific thing and then Holy Spirit just starts to go on rabbit trails. And so we like to talk about it at our church that uh, we're going to go catch those rabbits. And we're going to kill them and we're going to eat them. This is great because we have dominion over the animals. You know what I mean? All of that to say, can we just start, uh, I'm just going to pray, if that's okay with you. Holy Spirit, I just thank you. Woo. I thank you, Lord, for uh, your promise that you inhabit the praises of your people. I love, Jesus, that uh, when you, I think of the Japanese translation of that psalm, where it says, praise makes a big chair for him to come and sit. And so, Jesus, we just, even now, um, I want to invite you into this prophetic act. Uh, sometimes the body uh, releases, and so this is for you. I, all of us came in with different and varying encounters this week and emotional positions and places in our heart. And the beautiful thing is Jesus says, Come to me, you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. But part of that process isn't stuffing down what we've experienced. It's acknowledging it and holding it out before us. And so whatever that is, I'm going to give a second for the Holy Spirit just to whisper to you. And whatever that thing is, as you come in this week, it may be anxiety, it may be fear, it may be anger, it may be frustration, it may be uh, a, a myriad of other things. But I just want to invite you to hold it in your hands. And so Holy Spirit, I pray that you just begin to deposit situations of this week. I pray in the name of Jesus that you would begin to deposit pictures, words, phrases, things that we are feeling in the internal places that we don't know how to articulate. And I ask in the name of Jesus that they would pop forward into our hands. Yeah. And Holy Spirit, you promised that that's what Isaiah 53 is, that you will lift them away from us. This is the inheritance we have as sons and daughters in your kingdom. And so even right now, Holy Spirit, I invite you to just lift them off of us. To lift them, we release them. This is what uh, the cross represents, that he, he absorbed, he took on these things, that we might become his righteousness. And so I just ask in the name of Jesus that we would lift off of us right now. And that 
thought we would find it merging into the wounds of Christ. Whoa. And in return, Holy Spirit, I ask that you would begin to release the shalom of God. The shalom of God. Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, I woke up this morning with a, a phrase in my head. I don't know if you guys have that. And sometimes it's just an old, like, 80s song lyric. Uh, and sometimes it feels, sometimes that's prophetic, but sometimes it's a, it's a phrase. And I felt like Holy Spirit was whispering this morning, I want to release the violent shalom. The violent shalom. And I thought, well, that's an oxymoron, Lord. I don't understand. And he began to show me that when we understand peace... And what it's intended, like the Prince of Peace, right, in Isaiah 9. This idea of the Prince of Peace, it's the Prince is the one who carries authority, and we know that that's Jesus. And the Prince of Peace, this idea of shalom in the kingdom, shalom in the, in the atmosphere of heaven, it's actually a violent thing to anything, that's, that, to anything that produces chaos. Peace comes and it dispels the darkness. Shalom comes, and it doesn't just mean, oh, I feel restful. It literally means that the darkness, the chaos, the confusion, it's pushed out and dispelled. And so I want to introduce you, or I, I feel like we're all getting introduced into this place where the Lord says His deepest desire is to release the violent shalom of God. That anything that would block, or anything that's, I'm going to say this, any voice, any word, any phrase that's rooted in a counterfeit Holy Spirit, in a counterfeit place where it's actually brought oppression and fear and, and shame, in the name of Jesus, I believe the violent shalom is coming. To, to, that the authority that crushes chaos would come and rest in this place. That you would know the heart of the Father for you. Come on, that's a good word. I don't care what you say. That's a good word. Um, so I taught, as Ali said, I taught. I'm doing my best to stay in, in my time frame. Uh, I taught for seven years uh, at Covenant Christian here on the west side. I taught Bible theology. Uh, I did that whole thing where I grew up in Speedway. I was a spark plug. Hey-o. That's right. We just celebrated our, our Christmas last week, or two weeks ago, with the Indy 500. <clears throat> it's a product. It's like all of my holidays rolled into one. Um, but I say all of this to say uh, I left for college and grad school, and I swore I'd never come back, and Jesus giggled, right? You know what I'm talking about? And Jesus giggled, and he brought me back here, and then he planted me, and then he gave me a choice to say, is this your land? And I said, yeah. And you know, in those moments when you have these powerful encounters, you're kind of, it can be romantic. Yes, I'll give you anything, Lord. And then uh, the journey happens, and the journey uh, kills the narcissism in us all. Right? It just rips it out until all we have is the one thing. Right? So, um, I was... I was a teacher. I was really involved in my local church. Uh, they would let me preach every once in a while. I got to sit on the inner healing and deliverance and ministry sessions, and I just got trained up in the kingdom. And, and then uh, the Lord said, okay, you ready for an adventure? And romantically, I said, yeah. And then the journey happened. And uh, I was walking downtown, and, and I walked by a bar that was opening. And as clear as I've ever heard anything, I heard Holy Spirit whisper, go apply. So I became a bartender downtown, in downtown Indianapolis, on Mass Ave. And I thought, great, I'm going to go evangelize. We're going to make some believers. And, uh, you know, what happens when you work in the service industry and when you work at the bar, uh, your hours are so flipped 
Your whole sense of community is literally the people that you're working with. And so I would find myself about six months later, I found myself and I was sitting at, at their altar at the bar top, if you will. And uh, because I was no longer pastoring, I was no longer teaching. Uh, it was like the girdle of religion that I was wearing to help me look good. because I knew how to perform in the culture. Come on. Is that just me? I knew how to perform. I got really skinny in like, oh, yes, I'm a man of God. Well, I got set at that bar top and that girdle got cut. And suddenly, all of my latent pain, all the places of disillusionment and fear, all of the places where I was believing for something and it hadn't happened yet, but it was, you weren't allowed to say that because that was an expression of a lack of faith. You know where they came out? Right on that bar top in my drink. And suddenly I found myself going into this place where my behavior, I, it didn't actually align with my heart, but I found myself not knowing how to fix the pain that I was feeling. This may be my confession time. I know all of you are past that point. But I just want to say thank you for letting me confess. And so what came up to me as the Lord was like dealing with some of these deep, dark places that I had taught through, I, I was a teacher of theology, I had my graduate degree in it, I like da 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 And the Lord showed me, you know, you can't intellectualize heart issues. Right? You can't intellectualize heart issues. So there was this grand invitation in the midst of this pain. I would come home and I would say, Holy Spirit, Jesus, you've got to convict me. You've got to fix me. You've got to break me. Because I knew how to be repentant. And you know, he was so quiet. You know what he would say to me every time? Can I tell you how much I love you? Can I just tell you that my delight is in you? Now, I had been around the circle enough to know that this wasn't good theology. We gotta, we got to break sin first. And Jesus refused. He just would tell me, I love you. And I found myself that not only was I carrying a paradigm, a, a way of thinking about myself that was really rooted in performance. I know how to like do the dance to make you love me, Lord. I actually was carrying that into how I did ministry. And I realized that I, for lack of a better term, this is the best phrase. I'm talking about a mysterious thing that goes beyond words. The best language I can do, I can give you, is I I found myself as a mercenary lover. I'm going to come sit with you, knowing full well we've got to clean up your stuff. And I found myself very much like Peter in the New Testament, where Jesus says, uh, where they come to arrest Jesus, and Peter, who knows the truth of who Jesus is, ends up using that truth and cutting off the person's ear sitting in front of him. And Jesus has to come right behind Peter's actions that were in truth and heal him up. So how many of you guys know you can have the truth? But man, if I haven't done the journey, I'll end up wielding the truth as a weapon that it will cut somebody's ear off if it's used outside of the right timing. Come on. So can we pause for a second that there are some places where the Lord is actually having us tarry with someone who quote-unquote doesn't deserve and saying, I want you to withhold the truth. Not withhold it, but I don't want you to use your language to articulate the truth because they're not ready to receive it. So I'm sitting at the bar and all my stuff's coming out. And you know what the Lord is doing? 
He is taking me to the core of my ideas about who He is. And He's reframing them in the light of His unconditional love. So I get to this place where after months and months and months and months and months of this, of the Lord just saying, I delight in you, Matt. I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you. There was a night that I came home. I got up the next morning. I had to go to work. I knew the Lord was shifting my season. And the Holy Spirit said, hey, I want to talk to you one morning. And you ever had those mornings where your living room becomes the holy altar? And Holy Spirit whispered, son, we don't behave like that. And I wept in repentance. A holy repentance that wasn't birthed in sorrow. It was secured under the covering of His unconditional love. It wasn't rooted in, oh, I need to perform in a different way. It was birthed in an awareness of His unconditional love. And there was something that had shifted inside of me. Does this make sense? So there's this place, we can go to the first one. Um, Yeah, where Jesus says in John 16, Jesus looks at his disciples, and they're right in the middle of this moment where he says, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you the things to come. There's this beautiful place here where the Lord is saying, listen, it's not about your intellectual understanding of me. Because sometimes you can be in a culture and you can mimic the language of what the Spirit is doing. But it's not until you yield to this place and you allow Holy Spirit to come and you do the journey with Him that He actually then can begin to, to deepen your capacity to receive what He wants to release to you. Does this make sense? And so he, Jesus is looking at His disciples going, you don't understand, I have so much I want to say to you. He was looking at me as I'm sitting in the bar, having my encounter, and all of my sin is coming out. All of my trapped pain is flowing out on that bar top. And he's looking at me going, Matt, my desire to tell you the secret mysteries of my heart for you, they haven't changed. I long to be able to whisper to you the things I have for you. Right now, I have to go in and rework your fundamental understanding of me. I have to go in. Why? Because I'm not going to sow the mysteries on something that can't sustain the weight. It would crush you. So if you will say yes to this. And how many of you guys know, when when He invites you into something, He keeps it a mystery so you can't help it out. I was out weeding with my son in our little rock garden thing, and, and, and I love him, but he's a terrible weeder. He's two years old, and that kid is throwing rocks across the driveway, and I'm like, Okay, try not to get frustrated. And then Jesus whispers and says, Ha, ah, no, you know how it feels now. <laughs> that when I begin to tell you what I'm doing, the danger is that you then go into your performance because you've got to make God love you and you've got to begin to part, you try to partner with them in a way that I fix it. And Holy Spirit's like, I'm going to actually keep this, I'm going to invite you into the mystery of what I'm doing because I want to I deepen your infrastructure. Because I do have glory for you. And the glory that you carry looks different than the glory of the person sitting next to you. But sometimes what can happen is, is when I'm not aware of the heart of the Father for me and the infrastructure He's building in me, I'll actually try to replicate the glory my part, the person sitting next to me is carrying. Because I don't know the unique expression of His love for me. 
Does this make sense? So he's saying, so we need to anchor into this. I have many things to say to you about you, about your situations, about the darkness that you're experiencing, about the anxiety and the fear and the pain, about what I have for you. Things that you haven't even begun to think about, to see, or to perceive. I have it all for you. Will you come and rest with me? Because I want to build the infrastructure to sustain it. Fair? So as we then transition, this beautiful place where this is the thing. It's not that like God is like impatient to get us to a certain place. What we see in the Gospels, what we see in the person of Jesus, what we see in the New Testament church is Holy Spirit just carries with us. He just resides with us because this is the thing. It's almost as if, almost as if, Holy Spirit, the, the Trinity, the Godhead, they're not really concerned with moving me at a fast pace. They're more concerned with being, being with me amidst the journey. Does this make sense? Every time, like Teresa of Avila would say, we all want to be saints in a day. We want to do it. Let's just fix it, figure me out, and then we'll get... And, and that is not the agenda of Jesus. So for some of us that grew up underneath a religious structure where it's my performance is what gives me good standing with him. We're perpetually in this place of anxiety about how God feels about me. And so in John 17, we find, he says, but this is his prayer. This is his prayer to summarize. He says, but now I am coming to you and I say these things while I'm still here. Why? While I'm still here in this world. So that they may experience my joy made full, complete, and perfect within them. I want to pause and just reflect. Is that your experience in the church? I'm not saying this church. That Dennis is great. I'm not saying what I'm saying. But growing up in a religious structure for, for some of us, has that been your experience? That Jesus comes to say, this is why I'm saying these things. That they may experience my joy made full and complete and perfect within them. Filling their hearts with my delight. And that word there, filling their hearts, like fulfilling this joy, it literally means to the point of overflow. Where there's no more room to pack it in. And it is overflowing and abundantly moving out. So I, I want to pause us for a second and say, we can't talk about true community. Because how many of you guys know that sometimes you go to the bar and they have better community than the church? Sometimes you go to the Colts tailgate and it's way more fun and way more community oriented than in the church. And so I just want to pause for a second and say, perhaps what we're trying to get to in community if not rooted in the foundations of the heart of God, we can aspire to community that's just about meeting our, our most felt needs, not about a transformative community birthed within us and then around us. Does that make sense? So we have this. This is my first point. And be proud because I'm doing points today. Normally I'm just like, whatever happens, happens. My first point is this. You ready? His delight is the foundation of our identity. And I need you to understand this. You can spend the rest of your life uncovering what this means. 
His delight is the foundation of our identity. And if delight, His delight, if His overflowing joy is not the foundation from which we engage all of life, we will end up turning it on its head and we will end up making something religious out of it. Where I have the truth, I've got to cut your ear off for you to be a part of the club. Does this make sense? And the Father's going, no, 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 no. I want to come and I want to trans. This is what Holy Spirit loves to do. He, he interacts with us. And for many of us, He interacts with your spouse and you by as iron sharpens iron. Where He comes and, and, and He begins to do something in you that levels the foundation of how you've approached it. Does that make sense? And so what He does is He begins to transform in here and the danger is, no, 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 I've been in church for a long time. I'm going to stay over here because I, I, I can tell you what needs to get fixed in them. Not recognizing, no, 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 he's inviting me into his unconditional love and delight over me. Does that make sense? And then we go, um, we have this beautiful place where, where he is inviting us to be transformed into his image. And I just want to pause again and say that, like paradigm-wise, if this is not the foundation that we have been wrecked by the love of God, and I'm not talking about an intellectual ascent, I'm talking about something has happened. I've been wrecked. I don't know how to describe it. I don't. I can't give you good, pretty language for it. I have been undone because He delights in me. How many of you guys understand? Sometimes. The first deconstruction is that you recognize, maybe I didn't have that growing up. Maybe that wasn't what I experienced from my parental figures, was delight. And so Holy Spirit wants to come and reparent us and put His thumbprint on this so that we don't spend our whole life from a paradigm that's inferior to His heart for you. Paul, who was in charge, he was, he was given the mantle of establishing the church, recognized that this was the foundational place that all of the church needed to be built from. And in 2 Corinthians 5, he has this, uh, yeah, he says, he, <laughs> he says, for the love of Christ compels us because we judge this, that if one died for all, then all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and he rose again. I'm going to pause. Can you go back? I'm so sorry. I want to pause here. So Paul is saying, here's the foundation of the church. You ready? Here is what Holy Spirit came to do. He came to reveal, to release, to, to uh, manifest the love of God right here. Right here. Right here first. And from the secure foundation of my feet being planted. When I was growing up, I got into this phase of, of baseball cards, basketball cards, right? I had, I had tons, volumes and volumes of basketball cards. And I remember my buddies would come over and they had basketball cards. And we would, uh, when we would go to trade basketball cards, we pulled out the holy grail called the Beckett. Is this anybody? Just me? Okay, thank you. Four, four of us can talk. Everybody else, talk amongst yourself. There was the Beckett. And this listed every card and its value. So you knew if you were getting hosed on a deal. Right? He'd be like, bro, that's a 25-cent card. You can't give me 10 of those for this card, right? 
And, uh, and so this place, this is what's interesting to me, is in this becket, you would immediately, you would, you would see the trade on the table, and you would go back and you would look at the becket. What is the value system here? And what's fascinating is that the point of reference for these cards was in this book. And I, as, I was, as I was sitting today, I felt like the Holy Spirit was saying, this is what's shifted in the gospel. Your reference point, the point that articulates your worth and your value, value is no longer found in the human experience you've had. It's not found in a culture where performance and shame and condemnation and guilt and manipulation and coercion and oppression and my opinion matters because nobody's listened to me, so I'm going to yell my opinion even. That's no longer your reference point. Christ saw you. He saw you. He saw you. He knew exactly what he created. He knew the gold. And he said, I don't even need the bucket. Can I communicate it to you? I'm going to come down and I'm going to give my life that you might recognize the value that I hold for you. Not for your performance, not for your good works, the value I hold for you and the DNA that you carry. And Paul is looking at them saying, this, for the love of Christ compels us. We've been wrecked. We've been made alive. We've been awakened to the value of, this, of the presence of God is speaking over us. We go back and every time we lose sight of the value He has for us, we have to go back and get re-anchored. That way we can be compelled by love again. Because we've decided this. If He died for me, He died for you. I'm convinced of it. If He died for one of us, He died for all of us. That that if you live, you would no longer live in the reference points that you've had growing up. You would no longer live in the reference points that your boss has for you. You would no longer live in the reference points of your shame and your condemnation and your guilt. You would be refined and defined by the presence of God. That He would enliven something in you. That He would awaken something within you. That you would be transformed because your reference point is now heaven and not here. And out of that place, we realize that the life, death, burial, and resurrection of Christ Jesus was His mirrored image of you. He said, let me go. He was biting at the bit to be incarnated that He might say, I say the gold amidst the dirt. That's a prophetic eye. I saw the gold. Can I come and can I give my life that they may discover the depth of love I have for them? Paul then goes, therefore, right? Therefore, because we are compelled by love, we've been wrecked and ruined for anything that's contrary, anything that's a counterfeit of His love that has awakened us. From now on, we regard no one according to the flesh. Because Holy Spirit's going, man, I saw you at the bar. I saw you in the midst of your sin. And I was so full of faith that you would say yes to me. I tarried with you. I tarried with you. Because I knew, I knew there was a yes in your heart just waiting to come alive. You had to encounter me in unconditional love. And then what could begin to bloom is the fullness of my delight in you. From now on, we regard no one according to the flesh. Why? Because your value is not what you can produce for me. My love has no more hooks because I'm so full of love. Now, we regard no one according to the flesh. 
your reference point is now no longer in what you can produce in the natural. Your reference point has shifted eternally. And is this not what a prophetic community is? To be able to hear Holy Spirit in a moment. Somebody in the midst of their rebellion. Somebody in the midst of their sin. And all you can see is that is trapped pain. They're just, they don't know. They don't know the glory that is sitting on them. So can I believe for you in this moment? Can I make a choice internally? I will not succumb to the value systems of the culture that say, well, you're just doing it wrong. Can I say, no, I will believe on behalf of the Spirit of God who wants agreement in the earth that this is a beloved son or daughter of the Most High God. And out of that place, when I give my agreement, all of heaven and earth shake and shalom is released. And somebody caught in sin and despair and hopelessness and depression, they walk in and you, the Lord knows, I'm going to pour this one into the darkest place and I'm going to sit him at the table because their agreement can actually push against the demonic forces. And for a moment, somebody can have a skylight moment where they get wrecked by the love of God. We regard no one according to the flesh. Why? Even though we knew Christ according to the flesh, yet now we don't know Him according to the flesh any longer. He resurrected. He transformed. And as He is, so are we now. So we're invited to step in on behalf of somebody sitting in front of us and to carry an agreement. They are not what I'm seeing. Holy Spirit, will you show me who they are? My second point is His delight is now. Our reference point. How many of you know? How many of you know that if delight is not your reference point for you, it's difficult to believe it for somebody else. We will put them in the highest revelation we have, and if our highest revelation of ourselves is I'm just here to, to produce good works for God, we're not talking about salvation and getting into heaven anymore. We're talking. We're talking about the unleashing of the violence alone of the presence of God. That He is shaking the foundations of the demonic realm over people. That we are in a prophetic season right now in this time and in this space where He is purifying the bride to carry a pure and spotless stream into a broken and hurting world that has resorted and they've defaulted and they've reduced the kingdom. Whatever is Whatever I can produce, that's what my value is. And Jesus is screaming, My delight in you. Can I incarnate my delight in you? And then just trust me. You're, it will flip. Your whole view of the world will flip. You'll begin to see what I'm saying. I'm coming in for a landing, I promise. Here's probably the most famous verse in this passage. The next one. Therefore, if, if delight is the reference point, you ready? If anyone is in Christ. He's not saying if. He's saying, no, no, no. Because of what Christ has done, He's a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. He's a new creation. You're, you're, the way you approach is no longer being discipled by your family of origin, your, the, 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 the Midwest that you grew up in, wherever it was. You are now, your reference point has shifted. The old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Verse 18. Now all things 
are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ. What's that word reconciled mean? It means that the gold that was hidden underneath the dirt has been brought to the surface. The gold that was hidden underneath the dirt has been brought to the surface. You have been reconciled in Christ who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ. And what has he done? Given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them. And has committed to us the word of reconciliation. I want to pause. I'm not saying we don't talk about sin. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that sin is not the reference point anymore. A prophetic community, a Holy Spirit, begins to weave within the community an awareness, an awakening. And there's hope and an anticipation of someone sitting in front of you that's not rooted in the reference point of we just got to fix their sin. No, no, no. We've been awakened. We're a people that are captivated. We've been possessed by hope because we know there go I, save for the grace of God. Therefore, the Holy Spirit that wrecked me is right here, right now, working in them. And if, and if in deep relationship, Holy Spirit invites me to share, hey, this sin is marring the gold in you, that's another conversation. But if our reference point is, well, I just gotta, I gotta fix the sin. We've missed it. Does that make sense? That is, God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them. And he's committed to us the word of reconciliation. Verse 20. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. That He is righteousness unleashed in the earth. And my job is to keep my ear close to the heart of the Father, to be anchored so deeply in His delight and the fact that He is not anxious about the current situation in our world. He is not coming at it from a place of, i got to do something big now because, oh my gosh, He is fully at rest. Fully convinced that one Think about this. One heart given to him can literally begin to transform any number of darkness around him. That is the power of agreement. My last point. A believer is invited to see people through the lens of his delight. This redefines, it reframes, it reorients us back in to the center of who we are. We are the beloved of the Father. Fully immersed in His love. And so I offer this to say, faith isn't some decision that you make. Faith is the unveiling of what God has always thought about you. Faith is your agreement with what God has been whispering about you from the moment of creation. God has never lost sight of who you are. He has always seen, this is my love gift to the world. And He put flesh and bones around it. And it looks like you. 
So what I want to do is I want to invite the worship band to come up. I did my best to stay within my time. I will repent of whatever I need to repent of. If some of you are full and don't, yeah, if you hear nothing else, know that the delight of the Father is in me. And I'm not talking about some distant reality we're waiting to come. I'm talking about out of you will flow rivers of living water. The Spirit has been given to lead you into all truth and that you would hear, I have so much to say to you. I need you to hear me on this. I heard somebody say once, silence is God's first love language. There are some in here that have been journeying down a road where the Lord, it feels like the Lord has been silent. And I want you to understand that I'm not giving an answer as to why. I have no clue. But that part of the byproduct of this is He anchors us into unconditional love and unconditional delight. And I just believe that what the Spirit of God is doing right now is He is saying, first, may I do it in you that you can carry it into a community of people that are in deep, deep need for my love. So I'm going to call the ministry team forward and I want to invite you, if there's any part of this, and it could be, I don't understand that delight, Lord. I have been jumping through the hoops for years. I just want to say, He just wants to pop it off of you. Literally, Jesus died so that He could remove remove these places that have have literally tormented our mind. Some of you, that's that's the I can feel the heart of the Father on that. That is the experience. I feel like it has been tormenting anytime I talk about God's love. And so I've been performing into this my whole life. And I just want to say the heart of the Father has something different. He wants to lift that off and breathe. He just he wants to breathe new life. He wants to breathe as He did with Adam, as Jesus did when He resurrected and He breathed the Holy Spirit into the disciples. He wants to breathe on things that have laid dormant within you. He wants to breathe and awaken the slumbering man, the slumbering woman. He wants to breathe and say, do you know the depths and the heights and the widths and the lengths of my love for you? I want to form community around you so much to share with you. Can I broaden your capacity to carry it? So if you would, would you just hold your hands out? Holy Spirit, we just invite you to do what only you can do. Only you can do, Holy Spirit. That you have been given as a gift to lead us into all truth. You have been given as the one who, who moves our journey and you navigate our internal landmines that we are unaware of. You just do it, and you do it with love and tenderness and mercy and grace. And so in the name of Jesus, any voice that feels familiar but it's rooted in shame, I just silence those voices right now in the name of Jesus. I invite you, Holy Spirit, to begin to whisper the belovedness, the delight you have for us, that what would bubble up within us is this anchoredness, and He is my advocate. He is the one making intercession for us. He is the one, is the author and the perfecter of my faith. I want you to hear the heart of the Father say, Child, you are not one step ahead or one step behind. I have perfectly ordained the steps of your life that right now in this moment you would be here that I might pop something loose. I love you. I delight in you. Let it come forth, Holy Spirit. 
Let it come forth, Holy Spirit. Let it come forth, Holy Spirit. In the name of Jesus, any voice that is standing in opposition to this, I just say be silent right now. The delight of the Lord is in us. It's resting upon us. It's the anchor point for all future endeavor.